Company Watch Financial Analytics. Hello and welcome to the Company Watch Coronavirus Podcast. I'm Joe Kettner, CEO of Company Watch, and I'm joined by Nick Hood, Financial and Commercial Risk Analyst. Welcome, Nick. Morning, Joe. We're recording today on Friday, the 2nd of October. Um, I should probably just make a mention that it's also the day that um, President Trump has been uh, found to have COVID-19, because that's been all over the news this morning. Um, we're not actually going to talk about um, that, unsurprisingly. Um, well, but we well, only got- briefly, Joe. Only briefly. <laughs> We've got a range of um, range of things to cover. Um, Nick has been quite a busy bee working with the Daily Telegraph on a piece on zombie companies. Um, and also he's done some research for, um, I think, for Obus, Opus and for, for us on the state of the retail sector. So we'll, um, we'll talk about that. Um, our friend Andy Haldane, the chief economist at the Bank of England, has popped his head above the parapet again, telling people off for being too pessimistic about the record fall in GDP. And as you might expect, Nick and I have some thoughts on on that. And as promised, if we if we have time, I will just um, pull out some of those companies' house consultation response um, notes. I, I had a time reading through that this week. And so there are a few interesting little bits to, to, to pull out. So Nick, where where do we start? Today? Well, let's start with, on, on, on such a, um, a viciously unpleasant morning of weather. Let's start with some zombies, shall we? Yes, <laughs> good idea, good idea. Yeah, um, now this is, um, this is very interesting because um, uh, I did some research um, for Company Watch in 2013 mm-hmm. on zombies, which got huge coverage at the time. I remember we got something like, 140 press mentions of one media mentions of one sort or another. Wow. And, and I've been banging on about it sort of slightly less spectacularly ever since. And um, we got an inquiry from the Daily Telegraph uh, this week. So off I go and cr- uh, with a lot of help from your wonderful analysts, Joe. Yes, shout out to Wing on this because she did amazingly. Yeah. Out, out came a 262,000 line spreadsheet which I have to admit, being a nerd, I have been through. Not every line, but I have been through it. Anyway, the, um, uh, the, the, the headline of this is really startling. Right now, we have 262,000 companies with a balance sheet that is negative to the tune of at least 10 grand. You have to put some sort of de minimis. Yeah, absolutely. So 262,000 UK businesses are technically insolvent on one of the Insolvency Act uh, tests. Wow. Um, And between them, their negative equity, to use that phrase, Mm -hmm. um, amounts to a mere £107.5 billion. Now, my point about that... I mean, we've got used to big numbers, haven't we? So that that is still still pretty substantial. I know, but uh, just to put that you know, in context, one hundred and seven point five billion pounds negative equity. One of these days, somebody has to pay that, <clears throat> and whether it is um, uh, a, a lender or whether it is the poor blooming infantry of the commercial world, the unsecured creditors, mm. I don't know. But you know, this is not a zero sum game. One day that will come home to that rest. will crystallise, won't it? At the it moment, will crystallise. Just... One day. In dribs and drabs. Um, The sectors that are most affected, um, right up the top of the list is 
as you would expect, professional and business services. It's a big chunk of the economy. Yeah. Um, and, and there are 54,000 zombies in that sector, 21% of the, of the, of, of the whole. Mm-hmm. Um, next on the list is real estate, so property. And that's because a lot of property-owning businesses are set up with a private equity style negative balance sheet. I, I, yes, I get that. Yeah. I get that. But of course, with falling property values because of the pandemic, that may turn out to have not been a great way to structure yeah. your business. Yeah. Um, construction is third, 10% of them are construction companies. Retail is fourth, 8.8%. Mm. Now, um, the, re- the thing that really shocked us when we looked at this was we went back five years and five years ago the number of zombie companies was only 130,000 so it has doubled in five years and the deficit the negative equity call it what you like five years ago was 44 billion it's now 107 and a half it's gone up 143 percent now why does it matter um well it's an obvious Credit risk, it's an obvious supply chain mm. risk. And, 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 and I say that because, you know, these aren't all going to go bust. But if it's a private, if it's negative because it's a private equity structure, I think everybody knows my views about that. If <laughs> things go wrong, um, you, the unsecured creditors, and you, the uh, supply chain dependents, will yeah. get shafted. That's how it works. Because there's no emotion, is there? There's a, they have a, a portfolio of, of companies. They accept that some will, some will go bust, some will do really well, and that is how the model of That's private right. equity... And, and they are protected because the, they will have security over the company's assets. Yep. I remember Comet, and there have been other examples since. Um, so if it's private equity, you're on notice. You're not dealing with people who behave like other business owners. Mm. If it's accumulated losses, well, that's not very good news either. It really isn't good news. No. So, so it's it's a risk for all. And also, I mean, we should we should also make the the point that these are figures. You know, we're using published figures here. So these are figures yes. pre crisis. On the whole, they're pre crisis. Pre crisis. Um, so there figures. will have been further losses, which will have um, increased this. Um, the other thing, um, there may have been further balance sheet damage because. What we're seeing with more and more businesses uh, that um, are having to raise capital because the value of some of their assets, mainly the intangible assets, Mm. is falling because of the level of activity is dropping. Um, If if it's a a lease, the uh, value may not be the same as it was before this all started. So this is the position pre-COVID, and I just hate to think what it might be like afterwards. Um, I also worry about uh, the distortion of competition. You know, this, the existence of this, uh, this phenomenon means that it's an uneven playing field for stronger viable mm. businesses that, that are solvent, um, are having to uh, provide a reward to shareholders. It, it, they're just playing by different rules. Yeah. And the last thing is, uh, before we move on, on to retail, is the, There will be a surge of insolvencies among these zombies. It's inevitable Mm. as the government's various COVID business support schemes uh, unwind. So furlough, business rates, um, holiday, VAT deferral, landlord enforcement ban. And of course, the the loan interest and repayment holidays on all these 
sea bills yeah. and, and bounce back loans will we'll all come home to roost. Yeah. So um, that is uh, that's my point on zombies. Uh, read about it all in the um, in the Daily Telegraph. Hopefully this weekend when they publish it. Yeah, it's, it was an interesting um, story. It's nice to to get that um, that contact to, mm. um, to 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 do this kind of focused research. So, yeah, thank you to Daily Telegraph and Russ for that, for that. Yeah. So let's let me on to retail, retail. the next meaty piece, okay. isn't it this this week? Okay. Well, I'm I'm writing a sector business study or a sector study for. Opus. Um, so I went away and did this research, which we've done so many times before over the years. And I and I just looked at the entire retail sector and I focused particularly on the H score yep. to indicate the health. Um, and again, just for, to remind people, it's a scale of 0 to 100. Anything less than 25, you really want to be, be watching out for because those are the ones that are most at risk of um, going under. Yeah, very... Uh, very, uh, very much a focus, a focus point for anybody mm. with supply chain or credit uh, risk. So um, I found, um, and I looked specifically at the bricks and mortar retailers. Right. And, and, and initially, I excluded those that are online only. So mm-hmm. the likes of ASOS and AO World and Boohoo and people like that. Yep. So just looking at bricks and mortar or people who are a hybrid, doing some online, some bricks and mortar, mm-hmm. 80,000 companies, yep. an average H score of 35. And that's now, low. I mean, let's again, just, just to be clear, average H score should really be 50. It should be 50, yeah. 50, 50 yeah. or so. Um, uh, the problem inevitably is focused in among the smaller retailers. So 60% of retailers with assets of 50K or less are in the warning area. Mm. 48% of those um, in the next sort of uh, layer up, so assets 50, 50K to 250K. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, in the 80,000, 39,000 are in the warning area. Wow. 49%. Mm. And only 29% of them are 50 and above, so in what you might call the sort of the health zone the health as opposed zone. to the warning mm-hmm. area. That. Mm. Um, there are 15,000 zombies, since we've been talking about zombies. Uh, that's 19% of all of them. And they have a negative equity between them of um, just under £2 billion. Pounds. Wow. And, yes. And, and, and so... And again, this is pre, these are pre-COVID numbers. Now, you know, some of the retailers we know, the food retailers that we know have done pretty well in the pandemic, but goodness me, the bricks and mortar that were closed. Joe, they've done well. At the top line, it's not happening at the bottom line yeah. because of the extra costs. Actually, uh, you know, it, it, the, the you know, a lot of them yeah. are only holding their profit line steady because of the business rates relief. Mm. That's the only reason. You know, Tesco's the the cost was the, the extra costs were five hundred million, yeah, and true. the business was... rates was four hundred fifty three. Yeah, that's true. They, even the big retailers, you're right. They they did come out and say, hold on a second it's not quite as rosy as, as perhaps it, it would appear. Mm. Absolutely right. Um, now, we've all heard about um, how well online are doing, although, again, um, a, a little warning note there. Online sales are surging uh, in, in some sectors, uh, online sales, some bits of the retail trade. Online is now double what it was before the pandemic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, again, they their costs have gone up. And you need to remember that for many online operations, 
they don't actually make money. They lose money by online and delivery, particularly delivery. Delivery. Mm. And, and you know, they don't lose money, but what, it dilutes the profit that they would, would have made if this was being done in a store. Yeah. So it's not quite that simple. Um, and again, this is pre, these numbers are generally speaking pre the COVID surge in online. Mm. But interestingly, look at online separately, um, 31, 32,000 companies, even more of them in the warning area, 52%. Yeah. The average age score is slightly lower at 34%, 30, mm-hmm. 34 out of 100, rather. Yeah. And interestingly, when you look at online, gearing, which isn't an issue for, for physical stores, is beginning to be an issue with online because the gearing across all those companies is 61%, which is getting towards some mm-hmm. level that a property company would, yeah. would, would think was, uh, was getting a bit high. Um, so, and again, they have about the same percentage of zombies, 17%, and, and at half a billion pounds negative equity. So and this is a snapshot of a sector we, you know, retail pundits will always tell you that COVID has simply accelerated problems, it's yeah. highlighted problems, it's, you know, talk about that old joke about, um, uh, you know, when the when when the tide goes out, you realise who's, who's <laughs> swimming with no trunks on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that's come up a few times, hasn't it, in this podcast? Um, um, so... Uh, inevitably, inevitably um, you uh, you know you look at this and you think this is pre-COVID. Um, you know, retail. You look at the retail sales figures overall; they're they're holding up, but I just don't think the profitability is holding up. Mm. And what's happening is that bad um, bricks and mortar retailers are finding it really difficult, and online retailers have got to make it have got to make it profitable. Yeah. So it's an interesting study. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see when when we get start getting some figures um, out on um, on that side. In fact, can I am I allowed to go onto the company's house because that might that might tie well, in quite we, nicely? We, or do we want to? Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But what we what we should just say to everybody is um, we will put this research on the website. Yes, yes we will. I've I've thrown an awful lot of numbers at everybody in the last 10 or 15 minutes. And um, it's sometimes easier to, you know, to look at them quietly yeah. on screen or, Absolutely. Or, or whatever else. So we'll put those on. So yes, yeah, company's house. Yeah, okay. So I just, the, the reason I, I thought I made the link there was because saying that we, it would be interesting to do this research again once we have pandemic impacted numbers. Um, and of course, actually, you would expect to get those normally nine months, wouldn't you, for private companies mm-hmm. after um, year end and with the Corporate Insolvency and Governance Act, and then the, the special instrument that was a statutory mm-hmm. instrument that came in afterwards, those um, those filing dates have been now extended to 12 months. Um, but it comes on to the company's house consultation. And um, the, the big acknowledgement here um, was I think was hinted at in the original um, in, re- in the original document, but actually it's now in black and white. Is that the the consultation is trying to address this problem of felixing, so where companies are set up and closed down by basically the same people and group, and they leave multiple trails yeah. of debt, um, and also the use of shell companies to launder money, and that's been brought into focus with Panorama. Um, now um, the government is still wanting to make the UK the best place to start and grow a Brexit because that ties into all the the whole kind of post-EU future of the UK. Mm. Um, but it's interesting, I I understood that this response had actually been written back in January, February time, and it was delayed with the reshuffle. And I think now reading it through properly, um, 
there's not a single mention of COVID or coronavirus in this report. <laughs> so I rather suspect that that actually this this report is as it was um, back pre-COVID. And so some of the timelines that are being given here, I would probably take with a bit of a pinch of salt. So sometimes, so we've got um, talk about. Um, we will continue to seek input on detailed questions um, of application and implementation for these um, measures, working with key parties in the first half of 2020. Well, given that this was actually published in September, we kind of missed the boat on that one. So I would say that any of those references to 2021 timelines, I think probably are going to be pushed um, re- reasonably significantly. Um, the, the themes... I suppose they're about information and there's acknowledgement that more information is needed and, and there has to be confidence that information is actually accurate and the registrar will be given more powers to actually challenge information that's presented. And at the moment, you know, pretty much you have to feel sorry for companies' house because their hands are tied behind their backs and they can't challenge information on the registrar and that needs to be um, a new kind of power that is given to the, the registrar. Um, we talked about compulsory identity verification, um, and that is a, a very key element. And that will be for all directors and people with significant control, this PSD <coughs> um, of UK companies, but not crucially shareholders, which is kind of an interesting um, angle. Um, and the other thing that is quite interesting is this um, cross-referencing of companies' house data against other government data sets. And um, I think there that has started to be done in, in pilot um, in pilot themes, particularly with HMRC, but now I think there's going to be wider powers to um, to do that. So that's that's all interesting. And I'm going to link that, if I may. I'm going to I'm going to jump on my horse today. Yes. You'll have to rein me in if you feel like I'm. But but I, I link this very much to the Andy Haldane speech that was given on Wednesday morning. I think. I think so. And he spent a lot of time kind of berating the press in particular for pessimism. And he made the point about confidence, you know, that, that everything, we've made this so many times that, that growth and economic recovery is going to be based on confidence, confidence, which is fine. But the problem is he had kind of this messianic type of, um, of, of statement that says, believe in me and everything will be better. Believe in the Bank of England, believe in the government. We will, but, but you can't ask people just to believe in you, you have to kind of understand that there is a lived experience and and businesses and individuals are not numbers on a spreadsheet and they you you can't look at a piece of paper and say well if a percentage of businesses go bust you know that's okay we can manage with that because those percentages are individuals and people and people will act in a way that kind of conforms with what they're they're seeing outside so I, it's quite hard isn't it because I think Haldane said it is not boosterism but, but, it, but it is. It is, isn't it? Just because you it say is. something. And, and Joe, it was interesting that, that there was a very elegant piece of distancing um, immediately afterwards by Andrew Bailey. Um, He's the governor of Bank of England. Mm. Governor of Bank of England, sort of restating the bank's position that um, all was very far from well mm. on that one. So, yeah, I, I share your view that the, the very last thing we need is um, somebody as influential as as Haldane, um, you know, with with uh, I don't know what the phrase is, but just sort of gushing with optimism. Mm. We need a delicate, carefully um, managed uh, line that um, is balanced, and I don't think that speech was remote, remotely balanced. It wasn't. And I think you need to 
back up with practical measures as well. I mm. think, you know, if you're saying, you know, particularly, and, you know, from our point of view, this is about information and, and the extension of the filing deadlines, for example, for 12 mm. months, you know, it sounds like a nice thing to do and you're taking, removing red tape from businesses, but actually what you're doing is you're tying those, those people who are trying to give creators trade credit and trying to, to build a really sustainable supply chain. You're tying their hands behind the back and actually you're then making companies provide management accounts or provide further information on an individual basis to um, yeah. to key customers <clears throat> or suppliers so that they can actually then take decisions that are are sensible for their No, I agree. Um, I, I agree. Yeah, it's, <clears throat> it's, it's really not ideal. Um, uh, something we haven't discussed, which occurred mm. to me as we've been talking, um, I don't know whether you picked it up, but um, Alok Sharma, the... Um, interestingly um, yes. uh, interesting business secretary mm-hmm. did say something really good and really positive in parliament i think yesterday no i didn't my only alex sharma news this week is the um telling reporters off asking him questions about the rules yeah got well to open that. this was much more interesting because he stood up in parliament and announced that the they were looking at giving the small business commissioner our friend mm-hmm. philip king oh yes mm-hmm the right and the power to fine companies who are persistent late payers. Oh, that is interesting. And that was a real wow moment. Um, uh, and, um, you know, watching Philip King's reaction to this is very interesting because it um, he's clearly attempting to control his, his enthusiasm um, <laughs> about you know, that. And I think that would be a very interesting weapon. Mm for credit managers to 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 wield where they're dealt where they're dealing with a persistent offender mm. and where they you know small businesses obviously yeah, we're talking yeah. about here yeah. um uh, will have the ability to appeal I, i'm guessing to the to small business co- um, commissioner and, and his his great team um to actually take action yeah and actually talking about that i think there, there is a consultation that's been opened on um prompt payment code so again yeah. we will dig out the link for that um yeah maybe so we'll that, talk about it some more next week yeah, or the week after that would be um, that's we'll, a good idea let me uh, we'll make see. a note um and, and, and my other sort of closing thought is an entirely um uh, uh, irrelevant one but when i couldn't resist sharing um one of my um journalist friends at the bbc um his reaction to the um Donald Trump's uh, tweeted announcement of, of, of his uh, positive test was 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 just it, it summed up the whole thing in a in, in in one line. He said, "It must be some sort of weird existential nightmare to catch something you don't believe in." <laughs> so forgive me for briefly straying into the political arena, but I. I do think it was uh, there's there's a sense of absolute irony about this whole situation. It, I mean, tragic as, as it is, and, and worrying from because if if the US suffers the same disruption to government yeah. uh, business and government management that happened when Boris was ill, mm. then it, you know, it's not a great time no. for the, the the American ship of state to be rudderless. Absolutely. I think that's true. And I think even, um, you know, as we found in, in the UK, whatever your politics, it's tragic. You know, all of the, yes, all, the, whole, the whole situation that we're going through at the moment is tragic. It's affecting um, individuals and, um, you know, in, in multiple different ways, health and um, economic. 
Well, thank you, Nick. I feel like we, we as ever, time is not our friend, is it? <laughs> today. So um, I think, thank you so much. I think that's um, been a really nice, meaty um, topic. And, and as you said, we will make those, um, those stats available online so people can actually look at them and, and digest them properly. Um, thank you very much, Nick. My pleasure. And thank you to everybody for listening. That's all from us. Goodbye. Goodbye.